Location 3. Where to go? Follow the culprit. Follow yourself. Follow the culprit of the self. Be the protagonist of the landscape. Just make your own route. You see, a path is merely a place where multiple have gone before. Be bold. You should make your own path, as only then others can and shall follow. A landscape is erected by setting it. A path is made by walking it. The first tracks on Mars have already been set by hollow wheels. An extra pound of yours on the face of our planet do not amount to anything. Not substantively, at least. Above all, as I should not insinuate otherwise, you don't follow anyone, and you are therefore always a pioneer. A true individual. We could hold on to a fiction of it being otherwise, but I would be well mistaken to believe you would follow my suggestion anyway, as you are stubborn enough to produce your own physics, your own natural laws, to nudge the parameters of nature. Time is relative, isn't it? And you are gravity, the event horizon of your own life. You are exactly there where it all starts and stops, or rather, disappears. There is no beyond to you, and you realise so. Stepmother Earth won't break your feet, for now, as God of War Mars has busted the hollow wheels of the overly brave rover that expedited it since the already catastrophic 2021, T plus about 11 minutes delay, that is. Whilst making your own teleology through this walk, you realise that walking is no more than controlled falling, and on Mars there is only control without falling. You realise this is the problem of the rover. The lack of gravity deprives control over falling, spinning control out of control, whereby losing the fall. It is control that defines our human supremacy over Earth, but we can only do so by being handed the fall by necessity of those laws we discussed earlier. Whereas the fall is thought of as the beginning of it all, the fall without control you realise all too well produces an interregnum face down in the dirt, which sounds more like a full stop to you. Controlling the fall, you touch upon the wet sands, or oxidated iron ore dusts, or mouldy hummus which reproduces your every start. You are infinitely reborn with planting your feet as of a brand in the anxiously swirling sand underneath your soles, terraforming earth step by step. You continue to walk there where it seems no one has gone before, and do not set foot on any existing paths. Walking for you is not just controlled falling, but controlling the fall a quality the Martians will never possess. They lack the essential beginnings of a new world by losing the fall, the force of the start. As if the laws are leaking into thin atmosphere, as if mass has lost its gravity, as if being thrown into the world has become a choice. No, you think, 
The Martians do not understand that it must happen, that is, the fall, and thereby lose all ability to control it. Control, above all, is the apparatus of our omnipotence. Mashing your feet through the sediment, upturning the biospheres of the micro-world where the big rot is omnipresent, the dirt whips the food chain in line only by grace of the crunch of feet. Most of your peers don't recognize that this fall of the feet is empowered by the will to fall, which allows it to crunch. Those weaklings have chosen the opposite side of the coin. They have completely surrendered to the fall and lost control to it. You know that gravity always wins, and any up will always become down, but that does not mean that the only response to this necessity is surrender. This is the true meaning of flat ontology. The absence will always prevail over presence, executed through the apparatus of change, that is. The apex of our time. The motive for innovation is like walking so fast that one needs to stumble, to surrender to the fall. Utilizing the fall, that is, the process of the down, means to control gravity, to produce and author the fall, to sign it in spite. You recall one of your party-crushing slogans, that the idiocracy of a self-announced helplessness haunts Western culture. You chuckle silently as you remind yourself how wrong could he have been, that medieval diplomat negotiating, why there is rather something than nothing. Moreover, as you might know, being a force of gravity, down does not have to mean gone. You, a fine example of Homo scientificus, know it just means that energy is truly dispersed in entropy and the long calm is heralded. This is the only true teleology to legacy, permanence. The quicksand of being put into the ground only speeds up with floundering. Embracing the porous quality of soil to dissolve into an inorganic state whereby multiplying existence beyond the category of time, at least death then must truly feel as eternal. You frustrate yourself over the only big loss of secularization, a metaphysics of death. Death is not the end, you repeat thrice in your head. However, death is treated as garbage, thrown away as if you would not want it. As such, it will be the end. There can be no goodbyes at the end, only disappearance and an additional lousy forgetfulness. The more you resist this entropy, the faster you sink into the quicksand and, ironically, the more entropy is realized. You remark that in our cultural cantered around presence, continuation is the goal of life, but you realize the true manner to do so is to die and to trash, because dead you will be longer than you will be alive, and it is in your death where the predominant quantity of subsequent lives will start. Death survives life, always. Our strongest presence should not be in presence itself, but in absence. The eternal return of the down prevails beyond eternity, and might even be the keystone if eternity would paradoxically be once reached. 
you please your wonder thinking of the logical impossibility of the end of eternity. You conclude that our era has been wonderfully working towards the first realization of eternity. Above all, it is infused with our present lives already. Like a composite of death and life, microplastics slowly working their way into our metabolism, fusing with our cells. Conservatives in foods now conserve the eater. Whilst most of our foods, often dead before presented, are now impregnated with conservatives, the dictum, you are what you eat, finally reaches its spiritual equinox. Permanent life within death. Binaries collapse. Hooray! To those stragglers that you encounter all too often, that this life is indeed permanent does not imply that you remain alive to live it. <laughs> Eating all those conservatives in food mainly enhances the flesh, which for the first time in recorded history now surpasses the soul. Languish in that, you substance duelists, you accidentally say out loud. The mind is the least eternal part in your dualism. You remember reading that gravediggers today have issues emptying graves because the bodies that occupy them have been conserved by the food they have eaten during their lifetimes, making it take longer to decompose. Keeping ourselves alive, fulfilling primary needs has passed over into death. Life, by living it, has plasticized the hard demarcation with death. Life transfuses well with death. Life has become a process of mummification, seen from its end, at least. Life is soaked in death, and death is infused with life. And now that we realize the end is longer than its process, we should upturn our itinerary of life, narrate it backwards. Thus, as Hippocrates uttered, let food be thy medicine. Or in other words, Eternal life has finally been discovered, be it beyond death. Nevertheless, to take a step back towards the beginning, if I am to give a suggestion might your stroll become doubtful, any left would suffice. And that should be taken as the past tense of leaving.